Well, good afternoon, good everybody, afternoon. and welcome to the webinar. This is Interpreting and Communicating the New CalPERS Actuarial Report. Uh, today is September 11th, uh, 2019. Glad that all of you have joined us here. Uh, this program is a service of the uh, CSMFO Coaching Program. It's the 21st year of that uh, coaching program being a member benefit. It's guided by the Career Development Committee. Uh, headed by uh, Nina Nomura and a, a cast of about 12 volunteers who identify topics like this and presenters to help be of service to you in the profession. We've got an important topic here, probably one of the most uh, critical issues uh, driving budget decisions these days is what's happening with the CalPERS contributions and how can uh, agencies adjust to those and understand what they are and first and foremost um, communicate them effectively. So that's what this webinar is all about. Uh, how to interpret the report, how to determine sensitivity of your contribution rates to potential future returns, what are some ways that people are addressing their unfunded accrued liabilities, which you can be thinking about strategies for dealing with the impact of these uh, contribution rates. And today we're very pleased that uh, Rich Lee has taken the initiative on the city of San Mateo uh, to step forward and uh, provide his uh, interpretation for San Mateo uh, to let you see an illustration of how you might take this information integrated and provided to your labor groups, to your elected officials, to people in your agency, et cetera, the public at large. So that'll be a big benefit for you out of this session. And of course, CalPERS is going to be identifying the resources that they have available. So we're pleased to have Julian Robinson back. Uh, he's a very popular with CSMFO. Um, he's a senior pension actuary in the valuation services team. He's been elected to the Society of Actuaries uh, Retirement Council and has been uh, a leader both in the private sector prior to coming to CalPERS and now at CalPERS in the whole area of how do you uh, determine what future requirements are going to be to fund uh, the retirement of employees. Also notably, he's a performing amateur stand-up uh, comedian. Uh, so uh, we really appreciate the good humor that uh, Julian always brings to these sessions. Then we have Nina Rams Ramsey. She's an associate pension actuary. Uh, she's been uh, joining this valuation services team and uh, probably works with many of you and has been in helping you find your reports, get connected, interpret them, et cetera. Uh, and uh, she's uh, interested in water sports. Uh, which is great. And as I mentioned, Rich Lee is coming as finance director from the city of San Mateo. He's been there since January of this year, but he's worked for 14 years in a number of communities around the San Francisco Bay Area. He serves on the board of directors of CSMFO, has been helpful uh, in the career development committee efforts uh, prior to that, and we really appreciate all of his support on a volunteer basis for the profession. Uh, he's also a freelance uh, uh, bass uh, uh, trombonist, so uh, we bass trombonist. So we're really excited that he's done that. He's performed at Monterey Jazz Festival. So gosh, we could have a whole gig here uh, with uh, our uh, presenters, but we've got important, uh, serious things to do. So we'll proceed with those. So let, let me uh, go forward, and of course, I'm Don Mariska, Master Certified Coach and Director of the CSMFO Coaching Program and the producer and moderator of these sessions. We're going to go to a polling question, and so we'd always like to see if you're learning with your colleagues, because we find if you're learning with your colleagues, uh, that will help your agency implement what comes forward. So uh, give us some feedback on who's there. If you're there on your own, that's okay. 
we're delighted that you're with us. Uh, perhaps you'll want to share this information uh, with your colleagues after the session or direct them to the digital recording, uh, all of which are uh, available for you through the CSMFO coaching program. So let me again highlight that you can use the, uh, the control panel on GoToWebinar to uh, download the handouts for today's session. Uh, you can also uh, get those at the uh, Agendas and Archives uh, tab at csmfo.org slash training slash webinars. And all this information about where to find things and so on will be provided to you again uh, in the follow-up email to today's session. So if you missed something or didn't get it when I sent out the reminder emails, uh, no fear, uh, we'll help support you and get you what you need. So let's take a look at what we have here in our audience. Uh, we've got 63% uh, of you are there on your own and uh, the remainder in small groups. We're glad to have all of you today and look forward to this being very productive for you. So let me uh, turn with that to our uh, presenters here and I'm going to give the uh, controls over uh, to our team at CalPERS so they can handle the presentation for this piece. And I'll take uh, myself and uh, Rich off the camera so you can just be focusing on the CalPERS team and what they have to offer to you today. Um, good afternoon, everybody. I'm glad to be here with my colleague, uh, Nina Ramsey, to discuss the CalPERS actuarial evaluation reports as of June 30, 2018. I'm sure you uh, received them eagerly back in uh, the beginning of August, middle of August, and have been spending many hours poring over the numbers and the details. All right. We're trying to advance the slides here, but... Okay, just put the cursor on the forward arrow and then you have control. Okay, there we go. So what we want to cover today um, is a little bit of background, a, a, a short discussion on the difference between our non-pool plans and our pool plans. That's always an area where there's a little bit of confusion, so we want to set the, uh, um, the situation right about that. Then we'll you know, dive into the actual reports and discuss the highlights of both non-pooled and pooled plans. And then um, we'll turn the tables over to Rich Lee and he'll discuss communicating CalPERS information to uh, um, all the important stakeholders that you have. Nope, wrong direction. So the key takeaways we expect to uh, um, provide you with uh, throughout this web webinar are the following. You should know by the end of the webinar where to find your fiscal year 2020-2021 contribution requirements. Um, we want you to also know what the funded status of your plans are. Um, our reports show a five-year contribution projection and we'll show you where that is. And we know that's always been a useful tool for you in the um, in your budgeting um, process, and also um, we'll continue the discussion as we've had over the past couple of years on proactively managing your unfunded accrued liabilities and seeing what uh, options are available to you and how you can take action on that. Okay. So a bit of background on pooled and non-pooled plans. Um, pooled, the plans which have less than 100 active members 
are our pooled plans, and they're combined into two risk pools at the moment. We have a miscellaneous risk pool and a safety risk pool. Um, as you know, all your members are either classified as miscellaneous members, and they'd be part of a miscellaneous plan, or they're safety members, and they'd be you know, participants in some of the safety plans. So if, from an actuarial point of view, this uh, 100 active member um, threshold is considered uh, an appropriate level to distinguish between what plans should be standalone plans, those are the non-pool plans, and those plans which should be part of the pool. And once a plan is part of the pool, we aggregate all the data and the experience of all the plans in the pool and use that first, firstly in setting the normal cost. And just a quick review, the normal cost means the value of benefits which are accruing in the current year for the services being provided by currently active people. And that normal cost is shared by the employer and by the employee. And then the other component of the uh, contribution is the pay pay payment of the unfunded accrued liability. Um, the gains and losses experienced by the pool plans are shared among all the participants in the pool. And this is considered um, a good idea in terms of reducing the volatility that potentially would hit a small plan if some event happened. For example, if a disability event happened to a particular plan, that could be a very costly event, you know, increasing the liability significantly. So for our pool plans, which tend to be on the smaller side, uh, the, the act of pooling spreads the uh, gains and losses ac across all members of the pool and they gain and they lose um, equally. On the other hand, the, the non-pool plans, those with greater than 100 active members, either miscellaneous active members or safety active members, those plans are deemed large enough to be able to, so to speak, fight for themselves, that their own experience is what's reflected in their normal cost and also in the um, gains and losses which they um, have to handle into, into the future. This is a, a, a excerpt from the section two part of the report. Now, for the, uh, from the and this is re referring to the pooled plans. So each pooled plan actually has two sections to the report. The section one re um, provides you with all the information, contribution information, liability information for your particular plan. I wanted to show what the section two plan is, or one page out of it, which shows the results for the entire plan. Across the center of this slide, in the grayish blue box, you can see all the different formulas that appear in the miscellaneous plan. On the next slide, we'll see similar information for the um, safety plans. So you can see the, the first formula, 2% at 62, that's the PEPRA formula, and all of the other formulas across there, uh, across the top. Um, what may be interesting to note, if you look down in the bottom part of the um, screen, the funded status of the risk pool. Um, as of June 30, 2018, you can see the miscellaneous pool had about $17.5 billion in liabilities, um, just over $13 billion in assets, and the funded status for the pool in its entirety is 75.4%. So 
So you can compare the funded status of your particular plan to what the funded status is for the pool, and, and that's one um, area of com comparison. Um, this, this slide shows you know, similar information for the safety pool. Um, you can see there's a few couple more formulas applicable to the safety members. Um, you're looking down at the bottom part of the screen, you can see the uh, total liability for the plans in the safety pool is about $23 billion. Um, supporting that is about $16.3 billion in um, assets. So the, uh, the safety pool has a slightly lower um, funded ratio of 71.2%. Again, you can compare that to the level of uh, um, of, of, of your of your own plan. I'm going to switch over now and hand hand the baton to my colleague Nina to discuss some of the actual report highlights. Thank you, Julian. So every year we hand out uh, and distribute the annual valuations, and every year we get a bunch of questions. A lot of them are listed here on this slide. We're going to go through this presentation to hopefully address uh, all of these questions and get you the answers that you need. So first, the most important question is, what are my required contributions? On the cover page of your annual report, you'll find your required contributions for the 2021 fiscal year. Uh, here is a clip of a, a report that lists the normal cost rate, the UAL, and also for non-pooled plans and PEPRA pooled plans, it also lists the PEPRA employee rate. We've also included the projected required contributions for the 21-22 fiscal year. Uh, this, these projections do not include the 1819 asset loss. You can see in the employee PEPRA rate uh, column, oh no, that uh, the employee PEPRA rate is to be determined. Uh, we calculate the PEPRA rate every year, and uh, because we need to wait for the next annual valuation, we won't be able to calculate that until we do the next valuation. Page four lists similar information as to what's on the cover page. Uh, the differences here would be that it includes your monthly UAL payment. Uh, it is simply the page, uh, the UAL amount from the cover page divided by 12 to give you a monthly amount. We've also included the uh, annual prepayment option below, uh, which is almost $9 million there. Uh, the annual prepayment option allows for agencies to pay the entire year's worth of the UAL payment in July. Uh, doing so saves you a half year's worth of interest. So for this particular plan, that savings amounts to just over $300,000. Again, the PEPRA employee contribution rate is listed, but again, this would be only for non-pooled plans and PEPRA pooled plans. So as you've seen from the past couple of slides, your total employer contribution is comprised of two parts, the normal cost rate, which is presented as a percentage of payroll, which will need to be paid throughout the year, and your UAL dollar payment. The options for the UAL are monthly or that annual prepayment option as mentioned before. Here is a sample of the July UAL invoice. You can see that the monthly amount is clearly stated there on the left, almost $700,000, and kind of hidden in the text is that prepayment amount that's uh, in the blue box. 
Sometimes it's easy to skim over that and miss it, but that's where it is. So since we are past July, this is no longer an option for this year, but this is something that you may want to look out for next year. Also, I did want to mention that these were the two options that you have to pay your UAL amount. Please only pay one of these amounts. Uh, we've had several agencies who decide, hey, I've got a little extra cash. I'm going to tack them on to this UAL payment. Uh, that really makes things a little more complicated for us. So if you could uh, refrain from doing that and then just contact your actuary so that we can help you uh, facilitate making that payment and getting it applied to your plan. Right, and we've also had some issues where agencies have just taken the monthly amount and multiplied it by 12. You'll certainly get a credit for that overpayment, but um, it would be easier for our accounting folks if you choose to make the prepayment in July to actually pay the amount in this, uh, I'm shown in the report, and reflected on the invoice to avoid any um, later adjustments. All right, the next big question is, how's my plan doing? Is it in good shape? Uh, as you saw with the pooled section two reports, we also have a page in your annual valuation, uh, page five, that will give you your funded status uh, for your individual plan. So here in the green box, you can see that our funded ratio is 67.1%. That is simply the market value of assets divided by the entry age normal accrued liability, uh, generating the 67.1. Now, 67.1 isn't a bad place to be, but we definitely want to strive for that 100% funded status, as is CalPERS goal. Also, just to mention, you may hear me or anyone else say UAL, unfunded accrued liability, or unfunded liability. They all mean the same thing. They're just used interchangeably. Saying the whole thing gets kind of tiresome after a while, so UAL works for us. Uh, so uh, this information is as of June 30th, 2018, and you can definitely compare your funded status to the funded status of the pool uh, or compare it to your last year's funded status to see how your plan is doing. Is it getting better or worse? Uh, and maybe you can make steps to improve your funded steps. Okay, we're going to go to a polling question here because we'd like you to uh, be sure that you're interacting with your report, you're taking a look at it, and you're figuring out some of these issues that uh, Julian and Nina have been highlighting for you. So one of them is, you know, what's your agency's funded status uh, for all of its plans? So ask you to um, identify which of these best describes uh, where you're uh, plan is currently. Uh, I do see additional questions here about asking people asking where to find their valuation report. Again, that was sent to you, the details for how to find it in your MyCalPERS uh, was outlined in the uh, reminder email for today's session. Um, and we encourage you to take a look at that and um, uh, follow that in detail. It'll be a, we'll send it out again in the follow-up email so that you can be looking at that. And of course, uh, Nina and her team are willing to help you uh, after today's webinar and finding it if there's some difficulty with your particular um, information. So we'll give a moment more here, and then we'll close this poll. Um, and here we go. So let's see what uh, what we have from our um, audience here. So a, a brief commentary, uh, Julian and Nina, about what you're seeing and where people are with their funding levels. 
Some of them yeah, are, I think... are sadly less than 50%, but only 1% of you are in that situation. But uh, others are over 80, so that's both extremes and a bunch in the middle. Yeah, I, I, I think this is the um, kind of distribution that we expected to see. That no solid more than 50% are in that range, 70 to 79%, and uh, also a group uh, in the 60 to 69%, you know, which covers almost uh, you know 80% uh, of the plans. So uh, um, that's consistent with our expectations. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's carry on with the materials here, and some questions are coming in. So we'll be at the next break. We'll be covering some of the questions that are flowing in. Great. Um, so moving on, uh, why did my required contributions change? Every year, uh, we have our economic and demographic assumptions. We assume what your UAL will be in the future. But we all know that year over year, we can't match those assumptions perfectly. So you will have gains and losses. This is page 14 of the annual report, which gives you a brief analysis of your gains and losses. We have the contribution gain loss uh, here of 300, almost 46,000, meaning uh, this would be a loss saying that we did not receive the uh, amount of contributions that we expected. Um, under that, we have your asset gain of $2.6 million. This is probably due to our investment gain for the June 30, 2018 fiscal year. And then below that, we have the liability gain loss, which relates mostly to the demographics of how your employees' uh, experience is throughout the year, uh, and that is also a gain. Uh, the sum of those creates your total gain loss. Okay, maybe I'll drop in here with just a few questions that are arising so we sure. don't have them back up too much. Um, so one of the things that people are asking is, especially about the funded ratio and such, is that uh, their elected officials uh, often, you know, compare them with others uh, and wondering, you know, why is their ratio higher or lower than some other city? And is, they're asking, is the simplest answer that the funded ratio changes based on the risk pool for pool plans and the census of the plan participants, or are there other factors that you would highlight people mentioning in trying to describe the differences between one city and another? So for uh, um, non-pool plans, um, as we discussed, mentioned a little bit earlier, their experience is the, um, the, the, main, the main focus. So if they've given, for example, larger salary increases or there's a, a, a whole lot of disability events, so those, those are ex expensive events in, in terms of the liability and can increase liability and therefore Know, re reduce the uh, funded fund ratio of the plan. For pooled plans, you know, when, when the whole pooling structure was set up, different plans entered the pool at different fund, fund, funding levels. And most plans, I think, by, by, at this point are almost done and you know, amortizing their side funds. But uh, you know, those certainly had an impact on what the funded status of the plans were. Um, over time. I would say another um, factor in determining the funded status is if a plan has made additional payments in the past or in um, you know the past few years even, uh, making those additional payments will result in an increase to your funded status. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, one other question is coming up on the page four of the presentation. You uh, noted that uh, PEPRA contribution rate is 6.25 percent. This person is saying mm -hmm. that their agency rate is uh, annual rate is 7.25 percent. Uh, wondering why there's a difference, or are they just misinterpreting it? Right. So uh, that was just a sample clip. Uh, for any given plan, the PEPRA employee contribution rate could be different. Uh, it's possible that the the person asking the question, maybe they have a safety plan. Those PEPRA contribution uh, rates tend to be higher. Right, and on, and also within um, the the non-pool plans in in particular, the demographics of the plan have have a large impact. The older the the group of PEPRA participants are, the shorter the time till they reach retirement, and therefore the uh, contribution rates for the, the normal cost for those benefits is higher, and therefore half the normal cost for those PEPRA members is also going to be higher. And within the pool, there's going to be different rates as well, because besides the basic benefits, there are certain um, tier one benefits which are elective. You know, for example, I mean, some of the classic plans, there could be a final average of one year instead of a final average three year, and PRSA and other kind of benefits which all add um, to the basic ongoing normal cost of the plan. And if that's, if, the, if some of those have been applied to, well, of course you can't have a final one year for PEPRA, but some of those other elective benefits can apply to PEPRA and impact the PEPRA normal cost in that respect. Okay, just one more question here to make sure we're getting everybody on the same page, so to speak. Uh, people are looking for their page 14 in their report. Some don't see it. Uh, wondering is is that because of the nature of their plan that they don't have a page 14 that you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, right. The, the page 14, I think that slide we need to correct the the heading. That only applies to non-pool plans. Yeah. For for, for yeah for for pool plans, um, if the uh, you can look in the section two report and that shows the complete gain loss analysis for the entire pool, and uh, what happens is. Each uh, each plan in the pool is allocated a certain percentage of that total gain loss um, for their plan, and that shows up in the amortization page, which we're going to be looking at sh shortly for um, you know, for pool plans as well as non-pool plans. Okay, thank you very much. I think we've cleared up a number of the questions that were arising. Just wanted to be sure people were or tracking along and this is working for them. So just a couple of things for, uh, that I'm hearing from you is that some of your illustrations are from specific agency situations and your agency may be different and therefore some of your rates or numbers are obviously gonna be different. Uh, and again, uh, there's a difference between the pooled and the non-pooled plans as to which pages are there for which purpose. And so people need to kind of keep that in mind if you're not seeing exactly what uh, your plan, what you're seeing on the screen here. Is that fair? Yes. Okay, so so let's move forward here. Uh, I'll take the the we've got the um, results down. We're ready to move on to the next. Okay, let's take a look. All right. So this this slide right here was mentioning what we were just talking about was that the pooled plans can find their gain loss analysis in the section two report, and you can access that through the calpers.ca.gov website. Right, and uh, this slide also needs to be updated because it's showing the six thirty. Yeah. 2017 um, front page, but yeah. the uh, the new section two should be available pretty soon, um, and you can see the uh, all the analysis for the most recent valuation in that report. 
Dante, just a quick question on that because we got a number of emails that were coming in. People weren't able to find their reports on the calpers.ca.gov, uh, and you were directing them to my calpers. Uh, is there some information one place and not the other or not for everybody yet in, in the website? Uh, can you help clarify that because people are yeah, frustrated folks? Yeah, that, that's correct. The reports have not yet been um, uploaded to the general CalPERS public website. So uh, we expect that to be happening pretty soon. There's, there's been some de de delays in that. But each agency should be able to um, access their own valuation report through our MyCalpers platform. Okay, so the most important thing for our audience right now is if you're seeking to find your report and you haven't successfully yet, go through MyCalpers and, and use the instructions that we sent out in the reminder email for uh, today's session. They'll, they'll get you right there. Okay, thank you. All right, where are my contributions headed? Now, this is definitely very important information for your budgeting purposes, so we've included it on page five of your report. You can see that year over year, we expect the normal cost to stay relatively stable, which is why you don't see it changing. And your UAL payment is also listed, and you can see it growing, and I will touch on why it might be growing uh, in the next couple slides. We've also presented your projected future contributions as a percentage of payroll. Now, we calculate what we think your payroll is going to be, but you might have a better idea of what it actually is. In that case, you could apply your known payroll to the percentage of payroll uh, figure that we've provided to hopefully, um, hopefully give you a more accurate or more precise uh, total dollar amount that you should expect to be paying in the future. So in December of 2016, our CalPERS board decided to reduce the discount rate from 7.5% to 7%. We've been phasing this in over the past few valuations and now have fully phased in the discount rate drop to 7%. This affects all of the non-pooled and pooled plans. And generally with the uh, lower discount rate, it's going to cause your uh, costs to increase. This is just because we can no longer assume a higher rate of return going into the future, meaning that these plans are going to be more expensive today. The full impact of this discount rate change will take total seven years. Uh, we have five years remaining on that to fully phase in. This is due to our current amortization policy, which smooths in costs uh, with a five-year ramp. So your 2021 rates will have the first step in that ramp and will increase over the next four consecutive years, at which point it will level out. No. Uh, new to this year's uh, valuation, too far, uh, we have implemented our new actuarial valuation system. Uh, you will find the cost of this, um, these changes, not the cost of the system, <laughs> the cost of the changes uh, in your amortization schedule listed as method change. We are now able to perform some of our calculations better and to get more precise numbers. Uh, this uh, change in cost is accounted for in your amortization schedule. Uh, we've also reduced the inflation rate to seven, um, the inflation rate to 2.5% uh, and our payroll growth assumption to 2.75% uh, as the board adopted a reduction in the inflation as well. 
the demographic assumptions we're using are the same as we used in last year's valuation, and we don't expect those to change uh, for the next couple valuations. Uh, effective in next year's valuation, the June 30, 2019 uh, valuation, we will be implementing our new amortization policy. Uh, this will first impact your fiscal year 21-22 rates and will be prospective only, meaning that only the future bases will have this new policy applied and all of your existing bases will continue with the current amortization policy. And with that, I'm going to hand it back to Julian for some UAL talk. That's right. Let's uh, you all talk about this thing, so we'll talk about UAL now. Um, the uh, amortization schedule and alternatives is an important part of the um, report, and I find with, with most of my discussions with the agencies I have um, really focuses um, on, on that schedule. So let's uh, let's look at it now. It's I know it's a little bit uh, imposing. To me, it's a work of art, and maybe hang, should be hanging in the gallery somewhere because it tells really a, a very interesting story. Um, we have uh, highlighted the bottom three rows on, of the table here in a, a, a blue shade to show you the, um, addition, the, the last three rows which were added in the final, um, in, the, in the valuation um, this year. Um, this is for an, a non-pool plan. Um, actually, for, for a pool plan, there's a fourth, fourth row because there's a split between the asset gain loss and the um, other components of the, of the, of the gain loss. Um, we show here the date each of these bases was established, and we indicate you know, the amortization pattern. So some of them have no ramps, some of them have ramps, and we've indicated where um, along the path of the ramping it is. So if you, you know, flick your eyes down that column, you can see that the old bases, you know, the, the, the those established uh, 6,000, 2006, 2013, and 14 have already are reaching the top of the ramps, 100%, and the bases below are um, ramping up over the next uh, um, num number of years. Um, we also sh show the escalation rate because our current methodology um, allows the uh, allows the payments in each consecutive year to be increasing by 2.75%. The, the intention of this escalation rate is, on, on, in general, to match what the payroll increase rate is. So the contribution amount to amortize any of the particular bases remains a relatively stable um, percentage of, of salary. Um, back in the day, that was, I guess, more significant. But nowadays, we charge you um, a flat dollar amount to pay down the UAL. So that that um, connection is not as uh, um, strong as it uh, as it was before. Um, then we show across the rest of the columns how we expect the amortization to uh, um, unfold, and um, in, in the last column we we determine what the um, payment will be for fiscal 2021, um, the next the next fiscal year. Um, whenever I have a discussion with an agency about you know, making an additional payment towards paying down their unfunded accrued liability, the discussion focuses on this table and the selection of a base or two to pay off completely or, or partially, depending on the um, funds available at the particular time. 
One of the other methods of uh, handling your unfunded accrued liability um, is to consider doing a, a fresh start. So on this schedule in the report, we show on the left side of the page what the current amortization schedule is um, as the, essentially the minimum payment that you need um, based on our amortization policy. Then we say, what, what would happen if you essentially did a refinancing of your entire um, balance? And here for this plan, the balance is $114.5 million. So what would happen if we said, let's refinance re this whole um, debt over 15 years or over 10 years? And we still, and as you can see in the, the payment column, the payments are still escalating at um, 2.75%. What, what this essentially does is you know, pay down your unfunded accrued liability more rapidly. And at the bottom of the page, in the bottom of the screen, you can see if an agency elects a 15-year um, amortization fresh start, they would end up saving um, close to $20 million. And if they elected a more aggressive fresh start, a 10-year, um, they'd end up saving almost $50 million. Um, this is this is no surprise for finance people. You know, we're we're financing this obligation at uh, at 7%, and the interest component um, certainly certainly adds up. With the fresh start, when if an agency elects a fresh start, it's an irrevocable election, which means you can't change your mind in two or three years that, oh, I wish I never um, had elected that. We can't handle the, handle the payments. So what uh, I suggest to many agencies is, well, instead of electing the fresh, the fresh start, let's do what, what I call a soft fresh start and decide to make an additional contribution each year equal to the difference between what the... 15-year fresh start or the 10-year fresh start would have been compared to the minimum required um, contribution. So, for example, I'm on, the, on the chart in front of you, if the agency would, would wanted to make an additional contribution, it would be the $10.3 million minus the $9.3 million, um, approximately a million dollar additional contribution if they wanted to essentially pattern um, the their payments to meet a 15-year amortization. And then each year when we, uh, we, we produce a new report and a similar process um, can, can be adopted. And, and doing it this way, you, know, you maintain the, the flexibility of not being locked in to a fixed am amortization schedule. And of course, when you elect a, f a fresh start, it uh, fresh starts all the bases at a particular date but each subsequent valuation, you're going to have the additional rows um, bases appear that we saw on the previous page. So, uh, what, what we what we suggest if you're considering making um, an, an additional discretionary payment, an ADP or fresh starts, is to contact your um, actuary. We have a um, a tool which is very useful and a, a new instructional video that goes along with it to show you how to na na navigate this uh, a, a com complex spreadsheet 
and which will help you analyze the impact of making an additional contribution to the uh, to, to the plan. Um, in order to ob obtain this uh, um, tool, managing my um, contributions, you have to you know, reach out to your CalPERS actuary, and because um, each um, each spreadsheet is customized based on the um, unfunded accrued liability of your particular plan and all the bases in it. So we need to generate those on an individual basis and we can provide them relative, re relatively quickly. It's a very um, power powerful tool and helps uh, um, understand the uh, impact of paying off a base which has only a short number of years till the end of the amortization compared to a, a large number of years to the end of the amortization period. You want to mention the pension navigator? Yes, yeah, so thank you, Nina. Um, the, we've, is in the process of developing a new tool, which uh, is going to be called the pension navigator, which is going to allow agencies, or at, at, at the outset of those agencies with non-pool plans, to do a more sophisticated um, long-term projection of where their costs are going to be. So it's going to allow flexibility in um, uh, assuming different um, investment return scenarios um, in, into the future and different discount rates and the impact that that might have on their um, on their contributions. We expect that to be well. We know it's going to be presented to Calpers Board um, next week, and there's a session on that at the educational forum coming up in October, and. Uh, we're not quite sure exactly when it's going to be released, but it's going to be um, part of the MyCalpers platform um, when, when, when it is. So stay tuned for that. And I'll turn it back over to Nina. Oh, okay. Uh, right. So also a lot of plans are interested to know where are my PEPRA members? So uh, non-pooled plans, they have their classic and PEPRA members all mixed together to determine their rate and their UAL. Um, the pooled plans will have their uh, specific plan, uh, the PEPRA only plan, which will have all the PEPRA members and the costs associated to them. Uh, you may notice in your non-pooled plans that we establish um, an employee contribution rate for your PEPRA members and it may differ from your classic employee contribution rate. That is because the classic rate is established by statute and the uh, PEPRA rate is calculated by us. Um, you can find this clip from your report in Appendix D. Right, and 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 this is a, a non for, for, a, for a non non pool yes. plan. Um, we did re we did receive a question about um, what I guess what's on on this slide, and then connected to what's on the next slide. And this also appears in Appendix D, and is a breakdown of the normal cost rate for each of the benefit tiers which you have in the plan. So in this plan, they have a miscellaneous first first level second level and the PEPRA level. And you can see the um, normal cost rates which apply to all of all of these things. The, the, the determination of the PEPRA rate um, actually follows quite a complex um, formula um, depending on the number of PEPRA members in the plan and the percentage of 
that the PEPRA members compared to the total number of act, active members. So there can be a, sometimes a difference between the PEPRA level normal cost you see on this page and the PEPRA level um, and, and the PEPRA level analysis on the, on, on, on the previous page. Um, if anybody has any further questions about that, now feel free to reach out to uh, to me or to uh, your CalPERS actuary for a, a deeper dive into this uh, um, complex issue. So as, as I mentioned earlier, the pooled plans have their own PEPRA member report uh, that has the contributions for just those PEPRA members. Here we have some additional information that we include in your annual valuation. This is a clip uh, from the non-pooled plan page 23 and in the pooled plans it's on page 15. This is the discount rate sensitivity. Here we have uh, listed our 7% discount rate which gives the normal cost, accrued liability, unfunded, and the funded status, which those numbers occur throughout the report, so those should be familiar. But we also show you what your contributions would look like if we increased or decreased the discount rate by 1%. Uh, in the 6% row, um, you can see that the decrease in the discount rate drives up costs and reduces your funded status. The opposite is true for a discount rate of 8%. The normal cost goes down, your funded status goes up. Now this is a new one that we've included this year. It is mortality rate sensitivity. Uh, we decided to look at what would happen if we increased and or decreased the post-retirement mortality rates. Uh, the 10% lower mortality rates meaning, uh, means that people live longer. Uh, when people live longer, that means we're gonna be paying out their benefits for longer, which means their accrued liability has increased. And if you flow through, the assets stay the same, the unfunded liability increases, and your funded status decreases. Uh, the same uh, can be said for the 10% higher mortality rates, uh, meaning that people are dying uh, sooner than we thought they would. Uh, less benefits are going to be paid out, so your accrued liability is decreased, and your funded status is increased. Apologies for the noise in the background. The shades have decided to close. Uh, moving on, one more uh, new table that we've decided to include this year is inflation rate sensitivity. So you can see our current inflation rate of 2.5%, those results are in the first column. Uh, also, we've decided to look at what would happen if the inflation rate were decreased or increased by 1%. Uh, decreasing the inflation rate by 1% uh, affects a lot of things. Uh, basically, pay raises wouldn't happen as we expect, which means your accrued liability has gone down uh, just because you aren't paying out as much to your employees. Also, your funded status has increased because that accrued liability has decreased. If inflation were to go up, we would expect pay raises to be more frequent or higher in general, uh, thus increasing your accrued liability and reducing your funded status. Right, and, and of course, our inflation assumption that impacts um, benefits in pay because almost everybody has at least a 2% caller um, attached to their pension. So these, um, this inflation rate sensitivity analysis um, also reflects the impact on pensions and payment too. Uh, here's another page that should be familiar. It is our hypothetical termination liability. Here we have listed your market value of assets 
and your liability, termination liability at 2.5% discount and 3.25% discount. When a plan decides to terminate, uh, we move them into the terminated agency pool. And at that point, CalPERS assumes uh, all liability and risk for that plan. That is because we are no longer to reach out to the employer to say, hey, we, we need you to contribute more money. That's not an option for us anymore. Because we don't have any um, uh, ability to receive future contributions, we need to put uh, these plans into a much more conservative portfolio, which is why the discount rates are significantly less than the 7% discount rate we have for active plans. Decreasing uh, the discount rate, as mentioned before, really increases that accrued liability, which is why you can see that the termination liability is so much higher. Okay, well, we're going to go to a polling question. So you've seen a lot of uh, information here about what's happening with your contribution rates, what uh, is going to be occurring. And that, of course, starts to raise the issue for you of what your agency is doing to address its pension liability. So we're going to invite you to respond to a, a polling question here and to click off uh, as many of these initiatives as your agency is undertaking to try to address these challenges. Uh, while that's happening, let me see what I can do to try to move through uh, a mountain of questions. Uh, so uh, some of these obviously are going to need to be addressed uh, when you talk with your CalPERS actuary. Um, let's see. Um, there's uh, some interest in, in getting some additional clarification about how the annual uh, unfunded accrued liability payment is calculated for each year uh, on uh, page five shows the five-year projected required contributions. Um, and they, this agency has seen their uh, UAL increase. Could you just describe a little bit again how you, how you make that kind of calculation just in broad terms so that people can understand how that comes together? Sure. The, uh, the the projection is based on um, the um, what we require to amortize each of the bases, each of the components of the unfunded accrued liability. So on that very busy page which we looked at earlier, um, we we show what the amortization payment is um, through the um, fiscal twenty um, twenty twenty one. How so when we produce our projection for the next five years, we're essentially extending the payment table out for the next uh, for the next five years and add up the um, payment on each of those bases. Um, and that's how we determine what the expected, um, the projected uh, UAL payments will be in, in those years. Okay. Let's take a look here and see what people are doing, uh, share the results. Uh, so here's a cross-section from our several hundred uh, sites participating today. Nearly 300 are on this uh, live session, even more registered for it than that. Uh, but uh, just a quick commentary about what you're seeing that people are doing and how that compares with some of the other things that you've been uh, observing in your practice with agencies around the state. Yeah, I, th I think it's uh, very, very good news that, that I see that no um, over 80% of uh, agencies are doing something to 
deal with the unfunded accrued liability um, issue. Um, I guess the most direct way of doing it is making the additional discretionary pay payment. Um, but if you want to maintain, uh, I guess, more of your own control over over the money, then the Section 115 Pension Trust is uh, um, a very good idea. And as you probably know, CalPERS has established its own, um, it's called the SEPT, um, which is now open for business, um, a Section 115 Trust. Um, so you can use that vehicle. I know there are other um, vehicles available as well. And you know, cost-sharing and um, internal reserves are also um, powerful tools in um, dealing with the, uh, the cost for an agency um, over the long term. Okay. And, and the cost sharing here, just to clarify for people, is, is really the, what share the employees pick up of of the uh, contributions? Is that what you're referring yeah, to I think, that? Yes, I think that's, that's the intent here, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for those clarifications and observations, and let's let's move forward. I know there's quite a bit more to cover, uh, but um, let's see, see what's here, and, right. and we'll move along. Yeah, we're, we're going to be wrapping up the CalPERS part of the presentation um, pretty soon. So there's uh, some other information which you can find in the in the reports. This, this is um, the actual assumptions can be found in Appendix A if you're interested in a deep dive into that. The discount rate, the inflation assumptions, or the mortality assumptions, the withdrawal of the assumptions, disability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the benefit provisions are found in Appendix B for non-pool plans on page 18. There's a brief summary for pool plans. Um, in Appendix C, we have the participant data. I'm showing the, the, the number of the average age, average service for the active members, average salary, and some relevant statistics for the retirees as well as the terminated and and transferred employees. Um, there's also a section, the PEPRA section, which we discussed a little bit earlier, can be found in the non-pool plans in Appendix uh, D. And uh, um, of course, the pool plans have their own separate PEPRA um, valuation report. So the information for those can be found in that separate report. So just before you go on here, I wanted to cover a topic that came through in a number of questions. People are especially interested in being able to explain to their elected officials and to the public what's happening with their unfunded accrued liabilities. You know, in other words, how to parse out all the different contributors to those moving uh, that amount moving up or down. Do you have any guidance for how people could go about that analysis and, and be able to, um, you know, explain uh, clearly to their uh, elected officials and public, hey, this is why that number is changing, um, because there are many factors that are come into play, and people want to know, well, what's driving us getting our liability larger, or you know, flat, or smaller, or whatever. Well, I, th I think we're very lucky that Rich Lee is going to uh, just, you know, share with us his approach to that, and uh, maybe after he's shared his uh, views and stuff, we we can add uh, some of our own CalPERS uh, views to that too. But I don't want to okay. steal any of his thunder, of course. All right, great, great, thank you. So your takeaways? So, so the key takeaways again is you, we should be able to you know, determine where, what your requirements are for fiscal year 2021, the funded status of your plan. We've talked in detail about the five-year contribution projections and how we've uh, 
we've, we've created those. Um, we've had a brief discussion on the um, proactively managing your unfunded accrued liabilities with making additional discretionary payments as well as fresh starts. And then also we'd like to throw out a mention that our CalPERS Educational Forum is going to be coming up at the end of October and uh, we'd love to see as many of you out there at that event to meet your actuaries and the other CalPERS staff to discuss any of your um, pension or health issues. So just a couple quick slides, just wanted to give you some information on how you can contact your actuary. Uh, your actuary's name is there in the actual certification section of your report, so you will be able to find out their name. Um, we've had some new actuaries, or maybe your agency's seen some tur turnover and you don't know who your actuary is. That's one way to find it. You can also call into the CalPERS Customer Support Center at 1-888-CALPERS uh, and just request to speak to your actuary, or you may list whatever question you have, and we'll get back to you. Lastly, as Julian mentioned, our educational forum is coming up. It's October 28th through 30th in Oakland. Uh, the information is on this slide. Hopefully you've all signed up to attend already, uh, but I do believe there is still time if you want to sign up. Uh, that concludes it for us, uh, and we'll get to more questions uh, later on in the discussion. Great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and in order to tee up the next section here, uh, we really want to give you a polling question because the important thing is, you know, you've got to tell your story to your elected officials, uh, to your agency, to the labor groups, and to the community. Uh, so uh, you need to first of all figure out, you know, what is your bottom line of your story, and and where are you in that? And in order to see what that is for uh, our audience, we have this polling question. So we ask you to uh, pick. Um, which of these situations you uh, see yourself in, your agency in, with regard to uh, the CalPERS contributions, uh, et cetera, uh, so that then, you know, that's kind of the bottom line of your story. And the question is, okay, now what are we going to do to deal with that? Uh, and that's where um, you're going to be hearing Rich Lee's story from San Mateo about what they face and how they're dealing with it and how they're communicating it. So we'll give you a, a bit of time to go through that. Um, and again, I'm, I'm still getting questions here about section two of the report, et cetera, being posted on the CalPERS website. When is that going to happen? And it is available now on my CalPERS, but when is it going to be on the CalPERS website itself? The Section 2 report is not yet ready, uh, so I don't think you can find it on either place. Right now, only the Section 1 reports and the non-pulled reports are available only through MyCalPERS. Okay. And when do you expect the Section 2 that you were referencing to be available? We're hoping sometime in the next few weeks. Um, we can respond to the group if we get a definite date, if that helps. Yeah, what would be useful, I think, is if you could uh, just contact um, uh, CSMFO and they can send a notice out on the members uh, list, uh, email list, and that would be a quick way to get information out to people. Sure. Okay. Uh, so let's take a look at the, um, at the situation here. And this is actually a good time for us to segue over uh, to Rich Lee uh, and Rich, why don't you share an observation here about what uh, you're seeing from this information and 
on the uh, polling question, and that'll be a good uh, kick into your uh, your section. Hi, good afternoon, CSMFO, uh, Rich Lee, and this looks pretty consistent with the uh, discussions I've had with my colleagues um, throughout the state on uh, those of us that are fortunate to be able to absorb the impact of the additional pension contributions on up to their um, the challenge for their organization and they're going to have to make significant uh, changes to their operations in order to um, to handle the additional uh, contributions. Okay, so let's get into uh, how you can uh, describe and share the story, and uh, it's all set up for you to uh, launch forward. Great. Thank you, Don. And I, I just wanted to say thank you to uh, Jillian and Nina for uh, lending their expertise to CSMFO. I uh, really want to... Um, very valuable to our members, so thank you. Uh, obviously, there's quite a bit of information that's in the actuarial evaluation each year. Uh, as finance professionals for our organizations, uh, we're asked to essentially be, uh, become conversant and fluent, uh, and really become the resident experts in, uh, in pension benefits and in pension liabilities. Uh, I've been looking at actuarial evaluations for over seven years, and I can say uh, that CalPERS has done quite a bit uh, in investing and in, um, the information that's provided in these valuations. Uh, every year they've added uh, enhancements, improvements. So my hat's off to them for um, continuing to address our the member agency's need for information. So uh, this next portion of the uh, presentation, uh, whether you're just starting on your journey of understanding pensions or if you are the resident experts, uh, I've always found that there's something new to learn uh, through reading through the actuarial evaluations. So uh, that being said, um, I re recognize that time is, uh, is a valuable commodity. And if there's any uh, section that you're going to look at in the actuarial evaluation that's pretty comprehensive, it's this section right here. So that's the plan's funded status uh, because it has everything, uh, the major components of uh, what makes up your contribution. Uh, namely, that it's, um, it's showing you your uh, total pension liability. Uh, that's uh, the 275. This is an example, uh, San Mateo's miscellaneous plan. So our total pension liability is 275 million. Our market value of assets for the, for the miscellaneous plan is 194 million. So that leaves us with an unfunded uh, accrued liability of $80 million uh, and the funded ratio of 70.7%. So if there's uh, if you only have three seconds to spare, this is what you want to look at. Uh, if you have additional time, uh, you want to dig into the market value of assets. So at the top is the beginning uh, value or beginning balance of your market value of assets, and at the bottom uh, is your ending. <clears throat> and I've highlighted uh, some of the major components of the market value of assets. Uh, lines two, uh, three and four, those are your contributions, whether they're their employer or employee, that's a major part of uh, how you get from the beginning to the end. Uh, line five, those are payments to retired annuitants and beneficiaries. So obviously a large portion of the outflow going from the market value of assets to uh, your those that have earned the benefit. And finally, uh, probably most importantly, is the net investment return. So how much money and investment income is coming to this pension plan? Uh, looking at the total pension liability, there's really a couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, so San Mateo's total pension liability for its miscellaneous plan is $275 million. 
Uh, I've highlighted the members and beneficiaries receiving payments because that uh, just that portion alone is 50 over 58% of the total pension liability. Uh, put a different way, uh, these are members that are no longer working for the agency. So over half of our total pension liability are people that are no longer here but earning benefits. Uh, uh, the actuarial evaluation does show uh, the funded status. And there's really two areas that I focus on in communicating this to our elected officials, uh, to our the members of the public, and to uh, staff. First is the unfunded liability. So this uh, shows an eight-year history going back to 2011 uh, in terms of the valuation date. So as you can see, our, value, our unfunded liability grew from $47 million to $80 million. So that's quite a significant jump. Along with that, uh, obviously related, is the funded ratio. So the funded ratio decreased overall from 75% down to 70%. Uh, that's a metric that you'll want to keep a very close eye on. And when we dig into some other important metrics in the next couple of slides, um, this is also a very important uh, historical trend that CalPERS provides is their return on investment for the entire uh, trust fund. Uh, this goes back to 1999. And as you can see, quite a bit of volatility. Uh, and of course, the, um, the significant loss of negative 24% in 2009. Uh, why this volatility is important is uh, this red line, which is an approximation of the discount rate. So the discount rate, uh, put in uh, layman's terms, is the assumption for the long-term um, return on investment. So any deviation from that, uh, whether above or below, is going to result in what Julian and Nina spoke to, an amortization base. Uh, if the return is actually below the discount rate, then uh, that's when we might have a problem. So. Uh, this is uh, San Mateo's actual uh, list of amortization bases uh, for its miscellaneous plan. Uh, a couple of things to uh, reaffirm uh, that's relatively new. Uh, the ramp up, ramp down, uh, the arrows, uh, that's indicating you know, what trajectory it's currently headed at. Uh, something that, um, and I, I think I have Julian on speed dial. Uh, I, I basically call him at least once a month with questions. And uh, something that's helpful that he explained to me, other than the percentages, uh, with the ramping method uh, for uh, market gains and losses, uh, the ramping method that is essentially ending uh, with this current actual actuarial evaluation. Um, actually, let me correct that. Anyways, um, it's one-fifth every year, uh, one-fifth uh, for the first year and then two-fifths for the second year and so on and so forth. Uh, essentially, you're, you're recognizing 20% of the impact uh, each year until you get to year five, and then you have 100%. Uh, the second is uh, to emphasize that this is the last year of having 30 years as the amortization period. Uh, in other words, how long are we going to be paying off uh, the market gain or loss? Uh, the amortization period was changed by the CalPERS Board of Administration. Uh, so it's no longer 30 years for market gains and losses. It's now going to be 20 years. And there's really two um, principal um, motivations for that. The first was to address negative amortization. I know it's hard to see here, but you should look in your own amortization list of amortization bases. Uh, what you'll see if you look at the, uh, the balance, you'll see the balance, for example, here, the first balance is uh, 4.9 million, and we're making a payment of 836,000, uh, and the balance 
uh, for June 30th of 2019 is going down to 4.4 million. So in that case, the balance is going down. However, if you look at a, uh, a larger amortization base uh, here, it's probably the largest one for the city is $26 million. That's for the amortization base dated or established on June 30th of 2013. We're making a payment of $1.4 million uh, in 2018-19 or made a payment. However, the balance is actually increasing to 27.3 million. Uh, and really that addresses um, the phenomenon as negative amortization. So the balance of the, um, of the loan or the mortgage, if you will, is actually going up for a number of years until you're able to return it to its, the original principal amount. So again, uh, one of the motivations for moving to a shorter amortization period is to uh, address negative amortization. Uh, the second and related motivation is a term known as intergenerational equity. That means that uh, the liabilities that are being generated uh, in my generation, that um, my generation is paying for those, uh, my um, community is paying for those, and the, uh, the liabilities that are generated for my, for my children's uh, generation will be paid by their generation. So there's a little bit of uh, equity or fairness in terms of uh, who the liability belongs to. Uh, one of the things that we're asked to do, again, I want to re-emphasize that uh, there's quite a bit of complex information and there's a wealth of information in the actuarial evaluation. Uh, our role, as I see it, as finance professionals is to uh, make it more accessible, especially to those that are not finance professionals, our elected officials, our members of the public. So there's a few uh, terms that I like to retranslate uh, that are used in actual evaluation. First is the amortization base. Uh, I think of that as more like a, a mortgage or a loan. Uh, it's very similar. There's a balance that we're paying off and there's uh, interest that we're being charged. So that's a different way of seeing it, but it's very similar. Uh, the second is the amortization period. That's really how much time are we given to pay off that loan. Um, it's helpful when you're thinking of a fresh start. Uh, so the fresh start, uh, I think of that as you're refinancing all of the existing amortization bases or your loans. Uh, I do want to re-emphasize something that Julian mentioned um, and that's uh, that the a fresh start is irrevocable. In other words, once you say yes and CalPERS uh, makes it so, you can't go back. So it's not a decision to be entered into lightly. Um, the funded status, I, I do want to revisit that. Um, it, yes, there is complex uh, actuarial math happening to create the actuarial valuation. I try to simplify that uh, for those into simple math. So you're really just looking at your assets divided by your liabilities and that uh, is how they derive the funded ratio. If you look at San Mateo's uh, funded ratio again, uh, this was, if you recall, this was the first, uh, and if I mentioned if you only have three seconds to spare, this is what you should be looking at. So we had a, a 194 million uh, in assets and we have 275 million in total liability. So that's how CalPERS gets uh, a funded ratio of 70.7%. Uh, again, this is our miscellaneous plan only if you were to combine it with our safety plan uh, as a whole, uh, all of our pension plans are 65% funded uh, for this most current actual actuarial valuation. 
Um, again, this is uh, CalPERS forecast uh, for contributions for normal cost and for the UAL payment. Uh, the one area that I wanted to emphasize is that these contributions assume, and I've highlighted it, that CalPERS will meet its mark, uh, so that it will meet the discount rate of 7%. Uh, if there's any deviation from that, I'll show you that in the next slide. But even with a 7% return on investment, the UAL is still going to be increasing for our miscellaneous plan from uh, just under $6 million to $8.1 million in 24-25. However, uh, if there's any deviation from the discount rate, uh, that it really is um, one of the value of the, the sensitivity analysis that CalPERS provides. Uh, for example, if the over the next three years, if the return on investment is more like 4%, uh, if you look out at 2425, that's a difference of a million and a half dollars. So a 3% difference in return on investment compared to the discount rate, uh, that will equate to a million and a half dollars more that the city's going to have to contribute just for its miscellaneous plan alone. So something to consider and to fold into um, what we're going to discuss in the next couple of slides. Um, so this is uh, the next couple of areas that I'm going to um, kind of skip over a little bit because Julian and Nina uh, addressed it. Uh, the first one is the sensitivity analysis on the unfunded accrued liability and the funded status for um, the discount rate. Uh, that's uh, been in the actuarial evaluation for a number of years. Uh, just by uh, demonstration, if the discount rate were to be uh, reduced down to 6% rather than 7%, that would reduce our funded status from 70% down to 62%, so quite a significant uh, decrease. And of course, our uh, related unfunded accrued liability would increase from 80 million to 115 million. Uh, the second sensitivity analysis that, they, that is new to this year is the mortality uh, assumption. So if uh, the mortality assumption were to be 10% lower, then our, um, our funded status would decrease slightly uh, down to 69%. Uh, the third sensitivity analysis that is new for this year uh, is the inflation rate. So to reemphasize, uh, the current uh, inflation rate assumption is 2.5%. Uh, if the inflation rate were to decrease down to 1.5%, then our funded status would, uh, would increase to 75%. Uh, an order of magnitude of these three sensitivity analyses that were are provided by CalPERS, uh, the the discount rate is still uh, has the most magnitude in terms of the impact to the unfunded accrued liability and the funded status. But again, these are uh, the latter two are enhancements that uh, the CalPERS actuarial team uh, continues to add each year to the valuation. Uh, for the city of San Mateo, uh, this shows over the next 10 years uh, what our anticipated increase in total pension contributions is expected to be. For the current fiscal year, uh, we're paying just over $16 million for our uh, miscellaneous and safety plans. By the year 2030, we expect that to be well over $27 million. So that's uh, quite uh, a, a significant increase in contributions, and it's not all that uncommon for our colleagues all throughout the state. And where this comes into play is uh, we have to put that into context into our operations. Uh, we can't look at it in, in a vacuum. So what I've uh, shown here is 
for the next six years how our pension contributions are in relation to all of our other operating costs. Uh, as you can see in the, uh, the light blue uh, colors, our salaries, wages, and benefits, that is the majority of our operations. Uh, and that is consistent uh, with what I've seen with my colleagues as well. Uh, yes, they are related because uh, pension contributions are uh, a percentage and uh, in terms of uh, contributing to CalPERS. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things for San Mateo, uh, it is, a, it is a, a small and growing uh, part of our operating budget. This is our 10-year plan uh, shown graphically with the total resources or our total revenues um, shown in the green line and the total requirements or projected expenditures uh, in the red line. As you can see for a majority of the 10-year plan, our total requirements are anticipated to exceed our total resources. Uh, the tune of somewhere between two and $3 million per year. Now there's an important caveat behind that, uh, as, we, as our total requirements exceed our total resources, um, we're going to continue to draw down upon our fund balance. Uh, here in San Mateo, we're very fortunate to be in a good position. Um, our, um, our fund balance, or our uh, reserve policy, uh, is 25% of our budgeted expenditures. So uh, this uh, unassigned fund balance is above and beyond uh, that fund policy. So we have currently $45 million in unassigned fund balance that we anticipate we're going to draw down upon over the next 10 years until uh, there's nothing left. Um, one important or a couple of caveats behind our long-term plan. Uh, first is that there are a number of discretionary um, items that we've funded in our 10-year plan. Uh, probably uh, most importantly is the additional discretionary payment. So over in the average, uh, we're anticipating to contribute $2 million more uh, to CalPERS each year to address our pension liability. Uh, the second is uh, additional support from our general fund to support our CIP program. Uh, and third is uh, we have what's known as a housing set aside, uh, $1 million uh, form, uh, as a reserve in our general fund to address housing needs in San Mateo. Uh, in order to address the, um, the deficit over the 10-year plan, our city council could very easily uh, tell us to forego any one of these discretionary items. However, there's trade-offs with that. For example, if we were to not make additional contributions to CalPERS, uh, then we would continue to accrue uh, interest uh, on the liability that we, would, that we did not pay off. So that's one trade-off. Uh, with a CIP support, uh, that $2 million um, really goes towards uh, CIP for our streets. So uh, that would be a direct impact on providing uh, reliable infrastructure to our community. And the third, and, and just as important, is our housing set-aside. Uh, we're one of the many counties uh, located in the state that has a housing crisis. And our council is doing all it can to address that. And, and to really, um, we need that to, they need the support in terms of funding to uh, provide these resources for the members of our community that need it so desperately. So to, to sum it up, there's really, yes, uh, these answers can be uh, easily addressed to the deficit in our 10-year plan, 
but there's going to be trade-offs if uh, these are the answers that you're looking for. So uh, there's a few action items that um, for you to uh, address with your own agency. Uh, first is to download your actuarial valuation. Um, you can go to MyCalPERS. You can also uh, just look to a, a web browser and search for CalPERS actuarial valuations. And these are documents that are available to the general public. So you can download them from there and just search for your agency. Uh, the second is once you have your actuarial valuation is to um, go to the first couple of pages and find your fiscal year 21 contribution requirements. So again, that's going to be your normal cost and your UAL contribution. Third is to just, uh, find out what your funded ratio is. Um, it appears from the polling survey that everybody is aware of how to find that, um, but keep an eye on the trend. Um, is it trending upwards or downwards? Uh, if your agency uh, has not been um, making additional contributions to PERS, um, contact your actuary and ask them if you could, uh, they could provide that tool to analyze uh, what the impact would be if you did make additional contributions and determine if that is a, uh, a resource that your uh, city council or your board is willing to, uh, to make in order to address the pension liability. Uh, the third is to, to get to know your CalPERS actuary if you don't already. Uh, if I can take just a minute to promote two things. Uh, in addition to the, um, the CalPERS forum, uh, CalPERS has uh, graciously volunteered to again come to the CSMFO um, conference. And it'll be January 28th through the 31st in Anaheim. And uh, please keep an eye out for notification emails from our leadership uh, team to schedule meetings with CalPERS actuaries. Uh, while it's great to you know, contact Julian over the phone, uh, there's, uh, there's something to be said about having a face-to-face -face meeting. So I definitely want to uh, advertise that. Uh, for San Mateo, we found that the best value for, um, for addressing uh, CalPERS uh, contributions, as well as other competing demands, is to put them into our long-term financial plan. Um, if you haven't expanded your financial plan to go beyond five years, it's something that I uh, definitely recommend for you to do. And uh, I guess I was a little ahead of the, uh, put the cart before the horse. Uh, please schedule a meeting with your CalPERS actuary uh, for our conference. And um, with that, we'll move on to the next okay. polling question. Thanks. That was great, uh, Rich. Thank you very much for sharing uh, how you're uh, navigating through these uh, data to uh, provide useful information for your organization. Uh, so tick off as many items as you think would make sense for your agency to be doing with regard to its actuarial report. While that's happening, I'm going to invite uh, Julian and Nina to come back on uh, camera here. Uh, we're going to be covering a number of additional uh, questions uh, after the polling uh, question is done here. Uh, th there is a question for you that came up about your presentation, wondering um, if uh, you have a particular target in San Mateo for uh, what you'd like funded ratio to be. Is that something that you're working towards, or how do you how do you calculate what your target is here that you're trying to achieve? You know, Don, that's actually a subject that hasn't come up with our council. Uh, what I can say is we do have a, our council did establish a goal uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, my predecessor did an excellent job of uh, messaging 
uh, the pension liability to the city council. They've established a goal to have no, um, no pension liability by the year 2050. So that's quite a lofty goal. I think uh, the city has the, uh, the political will and the um, oppressional staff to get it done. Um, in terms of <laughs> the, um, the, the funded percentage uh, over the next uh, foreseeable future, I don't think we've quite identified a, a goal other than 100% uh, funded by 2050. All right, great. Let's take a look at um, the action items here and uh, what people look to do. Um, we see that people are targeting many of the items that you highlighted for them. Uh, so thanks for providing a crisp action list there uh, so people can uh, make their way through the forest here and find uh, what they need to know. Uh, that's super. I'm um, going to come back here to the group as a whole. I do want to highlight as we're covering some additional questions that have come in before we finish. Uh, there are post-webinar discussion questions. We encourage you to uh, think about these questions. What are the implications of your actuarial report for your budget, your labor discussions, et cetera? How are you going to communicate the information? And what's your plan for managing the CalPERS contribution requirements? Uh, I did get a, a request that came through the uh, question function here about that CalPERS tool for figuring out uh, the um, what an, an advanced uh, contribution might be. And again, I want to highlight to people, if I heard you correctly, uh, Julian and Nina, they really need to ask their actuary for that because the actuary needs to load their specific information. It's not something we can just put out on the CSMFO list serve and it's going to help people get to where they need to go. Is that is that correct? People weren't clear about that with their question. Yes, that's correct. We would preload uh, the Excel worksheet with the individual data from that specific plan, and then we would be able to provide it to the employer directly. Okay, that, that's great. Um, so we have contact information for today's uh, presenters. We have another polling question here, and then we'll finish up with some other questions that, that came in. Uh, but we'd like you to tick off as many items as you or your agency gained value out of uh, today's presentation so we get some feedback for the hard work of our presenters and, and some learning from you about what was particularly useful for you out of today's session. While that's happening, I want to just take a look at you know, some of the additional questions that have come in and see if we can uh, knock off a few more of them here. Um, so people were asking, you know, it's gotten around that CalPERS uh, didn't meet its discount rate for 18, 19. Um, and so people are getting asked, well, given what the actual rate is, what's the implication of, of what they actually earned in the current fiscal year for the just closed fiscal year for future rates? How could people figure that out? Well, the, uh, the returns that we got for fiscal 18, 19 was 6.8%. So we were slight, slightly below our target of uh, long-term target of seven percent. So that's going to generate um, an at, no asset loss. It's going to be re relatively small since it's um, we only missed the target by by a small amount. Um, the uh, uh, if, if an agency wanted to try and you know, do an estimate for that, I think that can be done in the manager employer contribution tool. I think there's um, a tab on there which allows you to do a, a projection for the next year. Um, 
with a uh, um, adding an asset loss base into the um, next year's projection. But it, it's not something I would expect would um, have a have a large impact on the um, projection since the, since it was a re relatively small loss. Okay, um, and we can see from the polling results here that people got value out of the many areas, and this is a very ambitious uh, webinar to try to cover all these different topics. So uh, thank you, presenters, for doing a, a fantastic job on this uh, account. And let me just see if there's anything else here. Uh, Julian, did you have a comment about uh, what people might use as a target? A lot of people are asking for, hey, is there some sort of target they should have on their funded ratio? Uh, what does CalPERS advise about that, or how can people think about it? Because they're, you know, they're getting questions from their elected officials in public. Well, is their contribution funded ratio good, or is it bad, or is it whatever? Yeah, well, um, as uh, as Nina pointed out before, our our target is for all plans to be um, 100% funded, and you know, with our new amortization policy, with the maximum you know, going out for a maximum of 20 years, um, that's the the, the long-term goal. Now, granted, there are some bases which are going to amortize over still a, a longer period than that. Um, a, a lot of people say a uh, you know funded status over um, you no know, 90%. Is a, a more comfortable place to be in, and I think that's uh, um, th th that's true. Um, but any any steps, whether it's additional contributions or a 115 trust, um, or you know, building up internal reserves, um, all of those. If if you well, actually, that's an important point. That if you do have these reserves in excess of what Calpers has. That's not going to be reflected on the funded status we show in our report because we can't re we can't reflect additional monies which you've accumulated separately. All we can reflect in our reports are the assets that Calpers has in the perf. So make sure that when you're communicating to your um, council or um, or your stakeholders, if you have significant other holdings, that you add that into um, your calculation. Um, for the funded status. Okay. Well, we're at our time here, so I'd just like to turn uh, in turn uh, first to Julian, and then Nina, and then to Rich. What's just a short word or phrase that you would offer uh, as a closing uh, comment, something to stick in people's minds from today's session? Julian? Um, I, th I think it's uh, valuable to stay engaged with your actuarial report and your actuator CalPERS. We're we're here to help. We understand the um, the, the the issues and uh, um, want to give us give you our best advice in you know the challenges which are facing you. Yeah, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to your actuary. We are here to help you uh, with your future planning. And if there's any day, any way that we can make the process easier for you, we would definitely be willing and happy to do that. automatic lines in their facility and they operate yeah. regardless of what's happening. So, uh, Richard, quick uh, closing word. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, as the um, CSMFO members may recall, uh, the League of California Cities released that uh, survey results uh, indicating that pension contributions are going to be an ongoing concern and going to consume a greater portion of our operating budget. So, it's incumbent upon us as finance officials to become conversion and really the 
agency experts and, and leading our agencies through this at the next generation. Okay. So my uh, closing word is uh, thankful. I'm thankful to Julian Robinson and Nita Ramsey and and to uh, Rich Lee for their outstanding work and preparation for today's webinar and to all of you who are working so hard to help your agencies uh, figure out and uh, their responses to the challenges that you face on these and many other uh, financial issues affecting your community. So uh, this is Don Mariska I'm, on behalf of the CSMFO coaching program. Uh, thanking you all for your time today and encouraging you to continue to participate in our upcoming webinars. You'll be getting information via the CSMFO email list about when those are and encourage you to uh, sign up and, and participate and to learn together. Thanks so much and have a great day.